This is a Rooster Teeth production. In 1961, a couple was on their way home from a vacation when they were confronted by strange beings. Their encounter and the following story made national news and shook both of them to their core. Today, we're going to discuss the first widely publicized alien abduction story in the United States, the story of Barney and Betty Hill. This is Red Web. Welcome back. We've got another Mystery Monday for you. I'm Trevor Collins. With me, Alfredo Diaz. Ooh, all right. Here we go. Instinct check. Diving right back in. Oh, yeah. Give me that instinct. I When you started talking, I was like, okay, this is going to be a weird one. Okay. Then I was like, wait, so are we going to talk about aliens here? Then I went, oh, here comes like, okay, we're talking about aliens, yada, yada. But hold on. Huh? It's it hit the news. It was Ooh. it was very public and eh? nationwide. That gives me hope that there's some type of here we go. One of my favorite words to say on this show: uh-huh. tangible evidence that we oh, have to this tangible evidence. You know the, the holy grail of alien. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Uh, and and like I didn't I didn't really know this part too uh, until you know we really dug in. This is like this is the alien abduction story like this is the oh, one really? that really kicks it all off yeah so like there's no oh, I'm i mean yeah you I, I don't know like i don't want to say that definitively because i don't know the history of all mankind but like this is the one that really brought it into the public eye like people had been studying ufos up until this point and like talking about aliens and whatnot but this is like the first abduction the first encounter and really set you know really sparked off something oh i mean without Ooh. this we wouldn't have that really hilarious sketch with ryan gosling over on snl you know what i'm saying my favorite sketch. But why don't we dive into the story of the abduction? After that, we're going to go into the kind of aftermath of that story. And a few years later on, they come back to recount what happened and try to dig up some hidden memories. All right. Yeah, yeah. So Betty and Barney Hill were a couple in their early 40s from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So up in the New England area, Barney worked for USPS and Betty was a social worker. Now, this will come back later, but it's worth noting that they were an interracial couple, which was very uncommon for the 1960s. Love to see it. Yeah, love to see it. Both were members of the NAACP. Barney was a veteran and local board member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. The couple hadn't been on vacation for a very long time and spontaneously decided to go on a three-day road trip up to Niagara Falls and visit the Montreal area. On September 19th, 1961, this is when everything kind of kicked off. They started their drive back to Portsmouth. They stopped for coffee around 10 p.m. And yes, it was a bit late, but they had planned for this drive to be a straight through, you know, a five hour drive from Mm -hmm. Montreal to Portsmouth. And they had planned to get home around 3 a.m. Now around 10.30, just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty saw a bright light moving in the sky somewhere between the moon and where Jupiter was located at that time. Betty assumed that it was just a shooting star and Barney had thought maybe it was just a satellite and they continued on driving. But the light only seemed to grow, becoming brighter as it started to move a little bit more erratically. Betty asked Barney to pull the car over so they could get a closer look at that object and they stopped at a picnic area just south of Twin Mountain and they began walking their dog, Delcy while looking for the object. Betty, looking through binoculars, saw what she thought was a flying craft, and at first, Barney believed it was just an airplane. But suddenly, 
the craft turned to their location and Barney then changed his mind. They got back in the car and quickly drove away toward Franconia Notch, a narrow mountain pass in the White Mountains, and they started driving slowly when they saw the craft again so they could try to observe it. They saw it fly over a signal tower on Cannon Mountain, and they said it looked like it was rotating and it had flashing lights, multicolored lights, and that was all before they noticed that it was actually descending upon them at that time. Barney stopped in the middle of the highway and it hovered silently above them about 100 feet above the ground. Barney got out of the car. Now this is, okay, I heard you I heard you in the background. Gut instinct, drive the heck away. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, get the hell out of there. I, I, I like that. Also, I mean, we're talking classic looking UFO here. Right, uh, right. You know, circle, lights, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Secondly, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to put this out there. Please Trevor, do. If we were aliens, we would we would mess with everybody. You know what we, I mean? We, we'd be out here goofing. I mean, these could be teenager <laughs> we aliens, so you know. But I mean, also like it's like uh, those uh, those tales you hear of like Bill Murray just going up to like, right. someone no at a restaurant and just like <laughs> taking a piece of food, and you're like, no one will believe you. Walk right. away. That would be us. <laughs> that would be us. We'd pull up on people. And it's like no one's gonna believe you. No one's gonna believe him. And then you just go. <laughs> now I'm just picturing like some 1960s like greaser teenage aliens kind of rolling around in their like. Greaser teeth. Yeah, you know, they got their leather jackets or whatever alien equivalents would be. Their, their shiny suits. <laughs> we wouldn't be advanced or anything like that. We would look <laughs> like the like the humans of that era. <laughs> yeah, they, well, you know, maybe like alien eyes. So like the leather suits or leather jackets become shiny suits, you know. That little switchblade that they got becomes like a switch probe. Yeah, well, I guess we want to fit in. You know, pop that out. <laughs> you know, maybe they're teenager aliens and they're just trying to mess with them. Well, you know, we're trying to I, blend I don't in. Know. We're not trying to look like tourists. You got, you know no. what I'm saying? Like we're trying to blend in at some degree here. That way we can hang out and mingle with fellow humans. <laughs> well, Barney gets out of his car. I don't know what he's thinking, Ooh. but um, this man's got balls of steel. He's gonna he's gonna front up on that ship, and we looks up at the ship. He look he grabs his binoculars again. This time he's got them strapped around his neck. He looks up at the ship, and he describes the craft as large and pancake shaped. Uh, they saw about 8 to 11 figures all looking out from these windows along the edge. Now, we do have a, a sketch that comes from later in this story, but if you want to take a look at what this kind of pancake-shaped craft looks like and how the windows are placed on it, uh, we're going to post that on our Twitter feed, at RedWebPod. You can check it out there. But, you know, it's a rudimentary figure, and they see about 8 to 11 entities looking down on them. What? Now, the whole it's like a minivan of aliens. Yeah, yeah, the whole family's in there. That's that's a little okay, that's terrifying. You see one, that's scary, but it's also just like, damn, if you see a whole bunch, like what do you what do you do? You're at I their don't know, mercy you know, at like, that point. Super, super at the mercy. I mean, they got a flying, hovering spacecraft. I, I there's nothing seeing eight to eleven people, I feel like is a little bit more comforting than one ominous dude yeah. just like silhouetted in the window. Like, I'd rather see a crowd of people looking at me because th then I feel a little bit more comfortable. I'm like, oh, OK, well, you know, you know, it, it, it's a crowd. You know, we're, we're all hanging out. Yeah, right? no, all of them are going to be bad, right? <laughs> they can't all be bad. So one of them is going to turn, you know, one, one of them, them has a conscience. Has, exactly. One of them is going to be like, don't worry, man, I got you. And they're going to sneak me out in the night. Yeah, I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to get you out. <laughs> I've seen the movies. But hey, Fredo, for you, uh, go ahead and click this link there and I'll, I'll let you see. Yeah, let me take a look of the at the sketch. This. Yeah. Oh, uh -huh. 
Yeah, so this was this was a, d- a design uh, that was made later, like I said, in the story, and we'll get to that. But oh, the red lights on the sign. Mm-hmm. What the bottom sketch? I guess like is that how far the lights go out? Or this is a whole gallery. Oh, you'll you'll see. Okay, so just remember, it says Finn, and it's pointing to that how they kind of come out. We'll kind of get into that a little bit later as they recount this story. This is just kind of in the heat of the moment. But yeah, it looks like a kind of like a thin hockey puck and really the windows would be around the side of said hockey puck. But more details will come out later. At this point, they said most of these figures had turned walking towards something in the ship, but one stayed behind. Now this is where I'm like, oh God, they left me with the one I didn't want. The crowd's gone. Now it's just yep. me and this guy and my wife yeah. in the car. Oh man. Ooh, you got left with the killer of the group. Yeah, I'm the killer. I like to watch. <laughs> Listen, this sends tingles down my spine. I don't, <laughs> I don't like this. All right. Okay. You're in the mountains. You're all alone. There's a guy watching from this spacecraft. Okay. So Barney said that he could somehow feel that it was telling him, stay where you are and keep looking. Okay. So Barney at that point said that he saw bat-like wings with red lights outstretched from the vessel and came down from the ship. And so those are what those fins are that are drawn on there. You see the red lights on the sides and they kind of like extend outward with yeah. these bat-like wings. At this point, he's like, all right, gut, gut instincts back in check. He yells at Betty. He says, they're going to capture us. And he runs back to the car. Now, as they drive, Betty opens the window to look at the craft and they heard strange noises such as like beeping and buzzing noises. Uh, and they, they, then they said they experienced a dullness of their consciousness. And when they finally came to, they heard the same beeping and buzzing noises. And they were on the same road, but they were 35 miles away from where they initially encountered this oh, object. Oh. They didn't know exactly where they were. They didn't know when they first heard the noises. And all they could recall at this point was uh, that they had taken a sharp turn at some point in the car, stopped in front of a fiery orb, and then that was it. I would go to a doctor. Who knows what happened? You know? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but like to have two people share this very vivid experience. Uh, I mean, maybe they're in it together. Maybe. What? What's the motive, though? You know, like th- this, this is like the first. Boredom, fame. Well, how do they know that they're going to be famous? How do they know they're not going to be locked up in a loony bin? Uh, I don't think, right? You'd have to. Unless you're ca- causing harm to others, don't you, wouldn't you have to admit yourself? I mean, yeah, 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 I guess unless they like, they could be a danger to themselves. I don't know. The '60s are wild, man. They, yeah, you know, MK Ultra and stuff. I don't think that was the '60s, I, but like, I would say there's just no risk. You know, they could just be like, hey, let's just see what happens. The same, the same that goes with, um, you know, for um, like farms and stuff that make uh, crop signs. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. All right. I don't know. All right, okay. So when they arrived home, it wasn't until that moment when they realized that they were arriving two hours later than they expected, meaning that they had lost two hours of time somewhere in that kind of blackout state where their consciousness went dull, where they could only recall a fiery orb and that they had taken a sharp turn with their car. And that's all they had. At this point in time, this is all their story contains. They don't know what happened, but... Of course, when they got home, they said they felt contaminated and both of them took very long showers just in case. They didn't know exactly why, but they felt compelled. And they could not explain what had happened to them, but as one can imagine, they felt very odd and anxious. And at this point, they started noticing other things, right? Odd things that started to crop up that they couldn't remember happening. 
For example, the strap on the binoculars was ripped. Their watches had both stopped working and would never work again. Barney's shoes had been incredibly scuffed. And Betty's dress was torn and had a very strange pink powder on it. And the final detail that's a bit odd here is that shiny circles appeared on the trunk of their car. And what's even weirder is when you bring a compass to these new shiny circles, you know, like buff spots on the back of their trunk, Mm -hmm. the compass would start spinning as if it was interfering with the magnetic field. And was this all like verified by, I don't know, scientists (laughs) i mean that is a valid question that is a valid question because here we go here we go right i mean you got some polished little circles of geometry on the back of that car you're gonna drive that into town okay you're gonna you're gonna show everybody you're gonna like charge a dollar and say look at the fantastic shiny circle on this trunk yeah i'm telling you you know you know we talk about how, you know, the audience talks about how there's certain words that you lean towards and I lean towards. I yeah. feel like the task force, a, a word that task force is going to use a lot, anomalies. Anomalies. You know, we're out there trying to figure out. Well, I mean, you guys are out there. I'm, I'm in the chair and you guys are out there. Well, hold on. Trying to figure stuff out. It's going to be like a lot of, mm, that's an anomaly. Mm, look at that anomaly. That's an anomaly right there. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, the word out of our mouth is going to be evidence. Where's the evidence? <laughs> <laughs> but let's be real and i and i saw it in a couple tweets christian and jillian they're the people in the chair you and i we're the boots on the ground we, we gotta get out there man we gotta stretch these legs after quarantine can't be sitting in any more chairs that's no. the new smoking oh you can put me in the chair with you guys <laughs> put me in the chair. y'all got like a stool i don't even need a full <laughs> chair you like, like a triple a- y you know <laughs> yeah. like Get you a you got, bench. I'll take like a stool or something like that. Maybe like a comfy <laughs> rock or something. I don't know. <laughs> comfy rock. Hey, you know what? I'll sit on the floor. I'll just pop <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah. Just get me a pillow or something. <laughs> I don't know if this was verified. Obviously, the watch is not working is something that can happen for many reasons. Uh, the strap on the binoculars, that could be faked if you wanted to think that way. Uh, the strange pink powder was, we'll come back up in the story, but. Okay, good, good, good. But yes, there that, I mean, that was assessed and looked compass, at. compass, that's a big one. But yeah, those little shiny circles on the back. Now, that is something that is very intriguing. Now, I do want to say, like, and we're about to go on into the post-abduction phase of this investigation, but it was taken seriously. Like, people did kind of look at this, both folks in the Army and people that were studying unidentified flying objects. Not necessarily alien-centric, but, you know, things that are up in the atmosphere that we're not exactly sure of what they were. A lot of people uh, studying that stuff. So... Following the abduction, now that's everything we have kind of at the time. We're going to go through their timeline, and coming off of that experience, that's pretty much all they had. Uh, We'll dive into some more details later through their hypnosis sessions, but for now, let's follow up with the post-abduction investigation and, and the things found thereafter. So, like I said, following the abduction, the couple began experiencing odd behaviors, you know, like they were traumatized, behaviors that they couldn't necessarily explain but were compelled to do. You know, they both still felt contaminated in some way that they couldn't describe. They continued to take showers very often. Uh, Barney actually felt compelled to check his genitals for injury or changes for unknown reasons. Again, like, he doesn't know exactly why, but... I mean, can't... I mean, reason listen, of you, you, What they do to me, that's the reason. What they do, what they do to me. <laughs> listen, uh, look at any young man who steps up in a, in a scuffle... Just check where the hands go. What are they protecting? What are they, you know, what yeah. are we caring for? Like, got to take, 
I'm thinking Keep an eye on the bits. You know? Everything. Fine everything. tooth and comb, you know? <laughs> get, in, get in there, you know? You like, anyway. Get, gotta get in there. But, you know, and we'll come back around to that. Betty wanted to keep a packed suitcase by the door in case that they needed to leave quickly for any reason. But again, she doesn't really know why she felt she needed to do that. Uh, they couldn't remember anything after they first heard the noises and couldn't shake the feeling that something bad had happened. I, yeah. For sure. For sure something bad happened. I don't know if it was aliens, but yeah, you don't come off of an experience like that and go, nah, we're good though. Yeah, I mean, that's gotta... That's, they have real trauma happening. rattle you for a good chunk of time, for yeah. sure. Especially because I think something that is like underlining terrifying to me is just the loss of time. Right. Right? Like whether or not I'm making good or bad decisions, knowing that I'm I'm in control, but like the loss of time and not knowing like what happened during that time. Right. I mean, yeah, like that's, sure, that's you, you, you kinda like blink or something, but it's kinda like going into surgery. I don't know if you've done that. Like <laughs> I thought wait, you were gonna say they... something like it's like a really long blink. <laughs> it, it's a long <laughs> blink. It really is. No conscious dreams, no nothing. You just boom. But yeah, like when they tried to remember it, they described the feeling as like something being there. Something was preventing them from really accessing those memories. Now, again, like when you're put under anesthesia for, for a surgery, I, I imagine it's the same thing, right? I, I try to think back to my appendicitis and I go, something's stopping me from remembering that. I'll be honest, I probably didn't make any memories during that. Right. So like... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking this all with a grain of salt. It could be something actively preventing it. It could be that you just like something stopped the short term memory from taking on. But either way, they, they just couldn't remember. And Betty at this time seemed to believe that they had seen a UFO. But anytime she brought that up, Barney wouldn't hear it. Didn't want to didn't want to talk about that. Didn't know there's no UFO. There's no aliens in play here. But a few days later, two days actually, on September 21st, Betty finally reported the incident to the nearby Peace Air Force Base after conversating with Barney a little bit. And they're both saying, hey, we need to, to communicate with local authorities on whatever just went down. Wanting to take them seriously, Betty, when talking to them, left out certain details. So that way, obviously, they wouldn't get laughed at and turned away. And Major Paul Henderson actually contacted her the next day. And after hearing their account, said that they had probably just misidentified Jupiter, which I'll be honest, I've stargazed a few times in my day and I'm not going to say, you know, Jupiter hasn't ever leapt out at me with, <laughs> yeah, with eight like to what? 11 men and knocked me out. Like, I'm, I'm just saying that's a very big misidentification of a planet. Oh, oh yeah. On September 26th, this will come back later as well, planting a lot of seeds today. Betty checked out a book on UFOs to kind of read into this to say, hey, What's going on here? Is this the, the experience I had? She then decided to contact the author of that book, Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe. Kehoe was also the head of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, also known as NICAP. And this group was one that researched UFO phenomenon. When talking to him, she told him the entirety of what happened on the 19th and this letter was then forwarded on to Walter Webb, another member of that group and astronomer. Ten days after the incident, Betty then began having strange nightmares. She said that they were all incredibly vivid and very distressing, very disturbing. Betty ultimately, over the next five nights from there, had five dreams, one per night. And she only told her husband Barney about the very first one. She took notes on these dreams, and here's kind of what those notes outline. In each dream, she was with Barney in the forest. 
She saw five-foot-tall beings with gray skin, dark eyes, and hair. Shiny. Yeah. These aliens. Wait. These aliens have hair. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. You never really hear about aliens with yeah. hair. Yeah. But I do want to. Okay. I'm going I'm to flag this. We all talk about gray aliens. My brain clicked. So I'm going to flag this now for later. But my brain clicked at some point when I was reading through this. And I don't know why I never thought about this. But I'm excited. I have a little personal theory on things. But anyway. These individual five-foot-tall beings were also wearing shiny dark uniforms. So the greaser play is still on. <laughs> they forced her and Barney to walk and then separated them into two different locations. A man examined Betty's body and later took her to a leader, as she called him, that spoke to her. She looked at a book with strange symbols, and when she asked the leader where they had come from, he showed her a map with dotted stars, basically a holographic map, like you might see in Star Wars, right? Like a 3D right. map. And this is when Betty came to believe that the night they couldn't remember uh, was the night that they were abducted by aliens. That these dreams were actually memories, that these dreams were telling her something, and she finally felt like she could get a little bit of closure on maybe what had happened. But after these five days, she did not dream of an abduction again, and that kind of ends the revelations of, the, of that night up until this point. How do you get I would be like, oh my god, my world is turned upside down. I don't know how I would react, honestly. If, yeah. if one night in driving, uh, I just kind of like got a little numb in the consciousness area and then woke up 35 miles down the road and two hours later, I just, I don't know what I would think. And, and then dreaming, I, I'm like, this could just be the brain really. Cause like I said, she wasn't, she was looking at UFO books. This could have been fresh on her mind. She, she's probably maybe trying to spackle in the gaps, mm -hmm. trying to fill it in. And I don't know. I don't know if I would find comfort in these this kind of answer or not, really. I guess it depends on their demeanor. If they're little nice guys or... You're right. It's fascinating that, you know, these uh, vivid dreams or nightmares, however you want to call them, was the... It's like, okay, you describe the aliens. I guess they had a similar anatomy because you can tell it was a male alien. I guess, yeah. Because they because at some point they kind part. of... Uh, they called them figures... Hold on. At some point, I feel like they called them, like, men. Like, not only just for the gender, but I think for, like, the the outline. The, their, like you said, the anatomy is kind of similar. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were five foot tall is the only major difference. So it's like, is it because that's what we're familiar with? And so we kind of, like, project that into our dreams? Or are they an advanced version of us? Like, not a lot of things are going to evolve like a human would have evolved on this planet. So it's like... I don't know. It is. It is interesting, man. It's just what like what can you do there, right? Like, how do you even really follow up? Like, say you're big hotshot scientists, all you know, all the credibility in the world. You know, you got your uh, one credibility, steam please. Steam lab coat. You walk up, Ooh. you check out the uh, the the stuff that was on, like the residue. And you, yeah. You, you look at the anomaly. I'm looking at the it. compass and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, it's spinning. Go, this does this is this is weird this is you know throws a lot of things that we know in our out reality out of whack oh yeah where do you go from there that's it i feel <laughs> like, like i go up to that stuff i look at it and i say mm-hmm this is science and then i get the <laughs> heck out of there go back to something more familiar and say someone who uh, is a little less fearful can can tap into this stuff i mean who knows what these aliens could do i'm not i'm not fiddling with that 
Okay. I mean, Ghosts, I would. whatever. Alien? I would. Wait, what? You know, I'd like someone else to. Oh, I thought you said you would. I was like, hold on. You'll dabble with aliens, but you won't touch ghosts? Perfect compliment. I'll get the ghosts. You get the aliens. Uh, I'm, I'm, far, I'm far, far away. <laughs> ghosts? Who knows? Aliens? They exist. To what extent? To you know, how right, smart? Right, right, right. I have no clue. But For sure. Are they in our backyard? Are they, are they flying around the moon? Maybe. They're out there somewhere. But now a few days go by. It's October 21st, and Walter Webb finally meets with Betty and Barney to hear their story. Barney told Webb he felt there was something blocking him from remembering, or that it was something that he didn't want to remember, that his brain was blocking it itself. Webb claimed, quote, They were telling the truth, and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities. End quote. So, we have a professional in here. A professional... I guess UFO researcher, scientist, someone who's in the military, someone who might be good at sizing up a person and telling their story. And he seems to believe their story. He's saying at least they believe their own story, regardless. Like, it, it seems like th this isn't just contrived. This isn't just a made up thing. So yeah. we got, you know, we got somebody coming out of this saying like, hey, I mean, it feels like they're telling the truth. That opens up a whole new can of worms, right? If it's just like, hey, right whether they're making this up or not, they fully believe that this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole, I mean, that goes away, you know, that steps away from conspiracies and all that kind of stuff and mysteries, but into the whole like mental state and everything. Absolutely. Like, that. a, like I said, it's a whole new can of worms. We're going to have to do a theory on how you always get into my notes ahead of time. Like, how, how do you have, oh, what's, what's the mind reading stuff? There's, uh, why am I blanking like on it? Put it, put it into my mind. Put it, in, put it into my mind. Like, like Jean <laughs> Grey. Yeah, I know you can. Put the word in my mind. Uh, no, like uh, telekinesis is moving things around. Tele tel telepathy. We're gonna leave all that in. <laughs> it's telepathy. Uh, no, I, I'm just like I'm always mind blown at how you like find the perfect segues into exactly the unexpected corners that we're about to venture into. And you're and you're talking about how like you know regardless. Like, they believe that this was their reality, to the point that this affected their own minds and their own bodies. And it's true. I was just about to outline that. You know, this feeling, this of not being able to remember what happened that night, stuck with them. For over a year, they, that stuck with them before they decided to seek help. Barney even developed ulcers from the stress, as well as high blood pressure. He also started drinking. And so, you know, we have, we have physical symptoms coming out now from, from this experience. And again, whether you believe it or not, something went down. Something is affecting these poor folks. Yeah, but isn't it? I mean, we talked about it before, but can't you kind of like will that into existence? If if you're, you know, stressing enough and feeling like, you know, oh, I have I'm feeling sick. So then you start Certainly. getting sick. Like that but I think thing. that says, you know, a lot about their conviction in this story. I think it says a lot about, you know, again, whether it's aliens or something else. I think it says a lot about that night and that something is there. You know, the details might be a little hazy, whether it's aliens, UFO, something else, like, but it, but something had to have gone down. I mean, or, I with that or that they just truly believe a made up story so deeply that, you know, they're getting messed up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I believe that they believe it, you know, I buy I guess, that. Yeah. I buy that. Like a, uh, like a kind of self-created story that they're both kind of building up in each other that, you know, one kicks up a detail and the other one kind of yes ands it and they, but they don't really realize they're doing it. They're both kind of sharing that hallucination. We kind of got into that with the Mothman episode. Yeah, I, I completely. That's yeah, possible. I, I, I could see that. For yeah. Sure. Well, on February 
1962, the Hills started visiting the location where they lost consciousness, hoping that this would spark something, that this would allow them to remember. But it wasn't until November 23rd, 1962, that the Hills met Captain Ben Sweat, who spoke about hypnosis at their church. He recommended that they try hypnosis in order to fill their missing time, in order to recall in some way. Barney was uncertain if he wanted to try hypnosis, though ultimately he wanted to try anything that might help his wife Betty, which I think is, is very sweet. He might not have been down for the hypnosis thing or trying to recall stuff, but he could tell that this was really taking a toll on his wife, and so he was willing to do just about anything to try to figure this out. Smart move. Yeah. And so in December of 1963, okay, so this is a, a year and a month later. This, uh, this is quite some time. December 1963, they met with hypnotist Dr. Benjamin Simon with the intent to recover their memories from that fateful night on September 19th, 1961. So now we are a little over two years later and we enter into their hypnosis treatments and the stories or notes therein. Now what's really wild and what really gives me some like exorcism vibes, honestly, is that there are tapes of these hypnosis sessions. Like you can, you can listen to this. Oh, seriously? Yeah. I don't think we're going to add any of the, to this podcast. I don't know about like copyright or anything like that, but right, exactly. y- there are, there are shows out there that kind of document some of that there. If you, if you search these two folks on YouTube, there's a couple like trailers that exist that kind of give you some snippets of it. And that's enough for me to say like, okay, I, I've, I've heard enough. It's, it's, it's definitely unsettling. And it's, it's, you can, you can hear the emotional turmoil that they're going through in this hypnosis session. Like, like something's being dug up, man. That, I just can't shake that feeling. Like, something is there for sure. I, again, like, I believe that they believe it. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. I feel like hypno, like the science and, like, theories around hypnosis and, and gaining evidence mm-hmm. and digging up things, I feel like it's one of those concepts well, where you have a ton of people who are just like, Hey, it really works. Here's a bunch of like reasons why. And you go, oh, I believe that. And then the other side goes, look, this is why it doesn't yeah. work. And you go, I believe that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly right. Yeah, I've always heard of hypnosis as like, if you believe it's going to work, if you if you really allow yourself to fall into the idea of it, that it can work. The The power of suggestion. But you can't decide that. You know, in the back of my mind, I just know I'm like, ah, I'm just... I'm too aware. I'm too self-aware of my body and what's going on and people telling me to do stuff. I would love to be hypnotized. I'd I'd love to try it someday. Maybe you and I, maybe we'll go out. We'll uh, we'll fix an addiction. We'll give you another one. We'll get you addicted to oranges, man. You're going to be eating oranges every day. (laughs) And then when you wake up eating oranges, you're going to be like, why am I eating oranges? And I'm going to be like, you got hypnotized, son. I'm going to have to spend extra on the pre-peeled oranges because (laughs) I don't want to sit here peeling oranges. That's the worst part. That's the only reason why I don't eat oranges because I got to peel them all the time. No, It's not the hardest thing, but when you want to just snack, you just want to eat an orange. That's it. I'm going to hypnotize you to love the peel. You're going to go peel first. Mm. Oh, God. You're going to crunch in that. Man, I I think that would be another. Listen, Christian, I hope you're taking notes. These are all things that we need to do. We need to do the the app that we talked about, Randonautica. We need to, once quarantine's over, game on, baby. We're going to get hypnotized. We're going to try this Randonautica. We're going to go to the Skinwalker Ranch. We're going to see the world. I don't want to see anything. (laughs) 
want to see. That it. would be funny though if we do a format where I'm out there in the middle of the woods with a flashlight and a, and a VHS camera, and you are wired in, man in the safety of of his home and a seat, you know, computers all around, lights fully on. I'm about that. That's yeah. funny to me. Anyway, let's dive into the hypnosis sessions, the emotional. The, the stressful sessions that we have and the notes therein. And they're a little bit scattered, but I'll try my best to kind of coalesce these notes into a retelling of that story that we talked about before, kind of filling in some of those details. Now, it is important to note, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pulling on this later on, their first hypnosis session doesn't start until January 4th of 1964. This is a little over two years later, okay? Two years, few months a lot of time for these two folks to to talk, maybe build a story in their own minds or build it together. But that aside, they do take these hypnosis sessions separately and they don't hear each other's sessions. And so there's something to that. There's something to try to validate the two stories, almost like you're like like an interview or an interrogation, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's dive in. Barney went first. His his session was first. And like I said, it was incredibly emotional, these sessions. A lot of a lot of high energy moments coming out of these. Barney was in, incredibly terrified when describing his experience. You know, he recalled when he ran back to the car yelling that they're going to capture us. You know, at that point, he remembered the binocular strap tore, almost as if something grabbed it. And so that kind of gives an answer as to how the binocular strap tore and grounding it to a moment that we're a little bit more familiar with. But let's remember the full scene, right? They're out. He stood out on the road, wife, Betty in the car, this floating vehicle about 100 feet off the ground. They've all left the windows except for one entity who is kind of in some way indicating stay where you are and keep looking up at us. This is when he turns and yells. The binocular strap tears. He also remembered experiencing a strong urge at that point, once he's in the car, to drive into the woods. And when he did, he saw six men standing in front of the car on a dirt road. And so again, we have that six men. So in some way, these entities are familiar, whether they're people or not. Maybe just like like human-shaped? I I would imagine so. Both Barney and Betty at this point have have described them as men in some way. Anatomy like similar to ours, I would Mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. The entities upon seeing them told them not to fear, but of course he was terrified as anyone in their right mind should be. The leader then came up to Barney and, and told him to close his eyes. Now, during this first hypnosis session that Barney had, Barney had said that he felt like their eyes had pushed into his eyes as he looked into the large eyes of the leader. Uh, he describes the eyes as very large, almost wrap around the head like, but he was almost enamored with them, almost as if they took him over. The description is very strange, but I, I imagine that experience would be very strange. If you were being hypnotized or overcome by some sort of telepathy, you know, you, it might feel like all you could see were his eyes and that you were just being taken over by them. At this point, he says, uh, Betty and himself were guided into that pancake shaped craft by those men and then. <laughs> taken into separate rooms. Pancake-shaped craft. Pancake shapes, man. <laughs> the 60s, yeah. you know, they don't got a whole lot of things to describe stuff by. Like, you Look, got your earlier, breakfast. Earlier you said hockey puck. I get behind that. <laughs> Just flying around a pancake. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it, this, this is an innocent man. Just... <laughs> Trying to describe things the best he can. He's going to the Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going into the pancake craft. 
Hey everybody, it's Trevor. As you can expect, always parting the seas of the mystery to talk a little housekeeping. Now, I just want to say thank you all for your understanding last week. We had to skip a week because we had some unfortunate power outages and water and gas services here in Austin, Texas, where we're based. Uh, The whole place froze over. It wasn't great, but uh, we're all doing better now. Uh, Everything seems to be back up and normal and running and and all of that. But thank you all again for your understanding there. Uh, Sometimes we got to do what we got to do. And uh, if we don't have an episode, if we can't record or edit, it just is what it is. But yeah, we're back. We're back. And that's what matters. But with that said, let's dive into some of the sponsors that help keep Red Web running. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh offers 25-plus recipes featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients, so you'll never get bored of what they have to offer. Try something new every single week, or keep going with your old favorites. Either way, it's up to you. It only gets better from there. HelloFresh's selection of delicious add-ons is getting bigger and better every single week, so you have more and more options to choose from. Because of this sponsorship, we were gifted a couple uh, options from HelloFresh, including one of my new favorites, the firecracker meatballs that they have to offer with the roasted green beans and the sesame rice. It's, it was really, really good. The sauce that they kind of have you make, you, you feel like an artisanal chef. My girlfriend and I both get into the kitchen and split the instructions up. She gets some of them, I get the other. I cook the meats, she chops the veggies, then we make the sauce together. It's a, it's a really fun experience to do together with your family, and you also feel like uh, you're learning a little bit about cooking. Uh, I don't know if you're like me. I don't know a whole lot about cooking, but it makes me feel really accomplished in the kitchen. (laughs) So go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb12 and use code RedWeb12 for 12 free meals. Okay, that includes free shipping. Get 12 free meals from America's number one meal kit by going to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb12 and use code REDWEB12 RedWeb12. Get your 12 free meals with free shipping today. Man, that sounds like a good deal. So go ahead and jump on it. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. All of Care Of's products are formulated with good-for-you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. Care Of's in-depth five-minute online quiz asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and your health concerns to help address the specific wellness goals that you might have. You can follow Care Of's expert recommendations or adjust your pack at any time. What you get is totally up to you. Care Of helps support you with ongoing guidance and nutrients tailored to your specific needs. You can retake the quiz as your needs change. So whether it's aging concerns or pregnancy or fitness goals, you can update those recommendations via the quiz whenever you want. I'm actually taking the quiz right now. My girlfriend has used this service, but I'm taking the quiz right now and trying to go through and see what I'm after. Because I'm on camera a lot, I'm actually looking to see if I can work on my complexion. 
my skin tone and trying to make sure that I don't have any breakouts. And I'm also looking for uh, to support my fitness goals. And so they're offering me several different vitamins that go to support that. Obviously, with a balanced meal plan in play, this isn't going to solve everything, but it does give you the vitamins necessary to maybe help you along the way towards your goals. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code REDWEB50. That's R-E-D-W-E-B-5-0. That's 50% off your first order by going to takecareof.com and entering code REDWEB50. Now, with that said, let's head right back into the mystery. So he also kind of verifies that they were split up at some point. And again, this hypnosis session is, is separate from his wife. So now they're in the craft in separate rooms and they took him to a room that resembled a hospital examination room. But Barney at this point said that he kept his eyes closed the entire time. Something he said was placed over his genitals and Barney believed that it took maybe a sperm sample uh, or something like that. And then they scraped his skin. They observed the inside of his mouth and the inside of his ears. Something was touching his spine as if they were almost counting the vertebrae of his back. Uh, Barney could hear them speaking in some other language, but felt somehow that he could understand them in English as well. And when they spoke to him after the examination, after he had opened his eyes later on, their mouths didn't move, he said, but he described it as like a thought transference instead, which is maybe how he was hearing one language, but still somehow able to understand it. Kind of some Doctor Who translation stuff, right? I don't know if you watch Doctor Who. Essentially, they just speak their native tongue, and their yeah. space vehicle just automatically translates it for them. Oh, yeah, I've seen that I don't in know. different sci-fi movies. No, there's only Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, the beings then escorted Betty and Barney back to their car, right? So this, now this sounds like a super stereotypical abduction story, right? This, this sounds like, you know, this sounds like textbook style. I was abducted, tossed onto the roof of a Wendy's. Like this is, this is the story. <laughs> Tossed onto the roof of a Wendy's. But you got to remember, this is the one. This is the first one. This is the one that set the precedent of of the stopping, grabbing, putting them in the ship, looking them over, sending them back home in a different spot with time dilation or time loss or whatever. They they were trendsetters. Trendsetters, these guys. Everyone else just follow along. Okay, you just get abducted. You know what I mean? Some people got really weird with it. Talking about probing, getting probed and whatnot, but these were the ones that blazed the trail. (laughs) Yeah. No probing, just cupping. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) The beings then escorted Betty and Barney back to their car. Now, throughout these sessions, the the main thing that Barney seemed to be focusing on was the, the eyes of the alien that he saw that night. He seemed that he was haunted by those eyes, and that was what brought up the most emotion from him. But yeah, that's why he kind of described them so vividly, like that they took him over, that they seemed to push into him, that it seems like that was the most scarring part of, of his memory from the hypnotic session. Now, going over to Betty's hypnotic session, it was very similar to Barney's, but with more detail, presumably because she kept her eyes open during the examination, so she had more time to see things and, and capture more detail. Or if you want to be cynical, maybe... Uh, one of them just kept it low key and the other one decided to make up the whole story. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you don't <laughs> how they you know spun that web. Yeah, like you do the deets, I'll just do the meats. Okay, here we go. So 
Some of her sessions were ended early because of how upset she got. So like Barney, these were very emotionally wrought hypnotic sessions. She said that once they were on the ship, Betty was taken to the leader of this group and she was inspected with a large lens. Skin and hair samples were taken as well as samples from her nails and ears. The leader apparently inserted a very long needle into her navel, your belly button, for unknown purposes. But once she came out of the hypnosis, Simon actually asked Betty to draw the holographic star map that she had said that she saw while talking to the leader and she did so. She drew 15 stars that she could remember out of the many that were in the obviously hologram. She she said she remembered where 15 were, so she, that's what she drew. And she she referred to it as the alien's trade route. So these what? are, you know, inner interplanetary, inter, perhaps intergalactic, you know, aliens off and about. And we're just on the trade route. We're just like, we're at, we're a rest stop. Yeah, they're doing business with I guess the government. I don't know. You know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what we got. And the, they just they just made a pit stop on that route. Maybe they want a cup of water or something. I don't know. What we, you know. But her account here strongly resembled the dreams that she had following the abduction, and that's what's interesting. I think so. Either the dreams set the tone for the rest of her encounter or her memory, or I don't know. I don't know if this is like validates anything she's basically kind of like just retelling the story with a little bit more detail i don't know if that necessarily proves anything but it is worth noting that this was very strong strongly resembling the, the dreams that she had had now their last hypnotic session was june 6 1964. it is uncertain in the end how many total sessions they had but it seems that these sessions went on for that you know six month time window so now while simon after these sessions felt that the recovered memories from these sessions were likely inspired by Betty's dreams, it seems that Barney had turned a new leaf, that he had finally opened up and was ready to accept that they had been abducted by aliens, a conversation that he was completely closed off to before. But again, it's worth noting, Simon himself is saying, maybe these recovered memories are coming from the dreams that Betty said she had. And the, and the, like, so I want to put that out there, but I also have to play double devil's advocate because apparently Betty only told Barney about one of her many dreams. So it's really hard to say. It, it, oh. There's two years of unaccounted for time where they're, obviously they're just living their life. And it's really hard to say like how much they talked about beforehand, how much they shared, because you're going to want to share. You're going to want to talk about this. That's what I'm saying, right? Like you're going to want to talk about it. And I get maybe... One of the parties is just so distraught that they don't want to hear anything about it. They want nothing to do with it. They don't believe mm -hmm. it. You know, they're just in complete denial. But look, I don't care how many times you tell me you don't want to hear it. Like if something like that happened to like, you know, to us, I'd let you know. I'm like, I'm shoving this down your ear holes. You're going to know because this was weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not going to get off that pedestal. I'm going to I'm going to say it, scream it from the rooftops because whoo. That was traumatizing. Yeah, I know. I get it. I feel it. But for better or worse, you know, as emotional as these sessions were, after coming out of them and after wrapping them up, the Hills no longer felt fear or anxiety about what had happened to them, almost as if they had felt some sort of closure and that the memories weren't as perhaps as scary, right? The scariness came from the unknown and from everything that was coming from it, right? So now they have answers as to what those two hours had. Now they have answers as to why she was leaving a bag by the door, why 
they had felt stressed out and, and unclean and all of that. So, you know, in a way, this does kind of help resolve the situation a little bit. Yeah, you talk about it, right? If you talk about it, then, you know, that's let it out. Yeah. Simon ultimately published his findings from these sessions in Psychiatric Opinion. The Hills then spoke out to the UFO community, and by October of 1965, their story became a media sensation and was the first widely reported alien abduction story. The Boston Traveler article, UFO Chiller, Did They Seize Couple?, by John H. Luttrell sparked national interest in the story and UFOs and abduction. And so again, like I said, this is where it all blew up, right? And many abduction stories after the hills would follow the very similar narrative structure, right? The capture, examination, a conference, a tour, loss of time, uh, theophany, aftermath, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yep. And that's why this one feels so familiar, but it's the first one, it's numero uno. But that's it. That's all we have. That's the story on Barney and Betty Hill, their abduction. But that's not all, right? We have the theories. We're going to dive into those. We're going to figure out were they telling the truth? Were they (laughs) lying? Were they maybe inspired by something? I don't know. But before we dive into that, let's do another gut check. Just see where we are. How are we feeling, Fredo? I'm I'm just, I'm feeling like they just, I I believe that they... You know that they think they saw what they saw, but I just I, I don't know, man. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing there for me, right? Right. I mean, you could believe something to the point where it's real to you, and then, but you know, aside from these, not you know, anomalies and random things that we just we never really chase down past, like you know, hearsay. And then on top of that, you have all of the like you know, just hypnotize them. And, you know, it's like, I don't know how accurate that can be. There's, I know for me, there's like not too much here. And I think it's so interesting that this was a story that kicked it all off. Yeah. You hear about alien abduction stories all the time now and you see it in, in film. Yeah. I mean, it's like loose end central, you know, there's a lot of pieces of it. Like you're saying that rely on you to just believe do you believe in that science of hypnosis do you believe that these folks are telling the truth uh, there's a lot of that and that's what makes this incredibly difficult but let's let's assume the theory that they're telling the truth and kind of go from there so this clearly was very traumatic for them and these hypnosis sessions led many people to believe their story the fact that it was recorded the fact that it's so emotionally wrought that you know a normal person like hadn't really heard these stories before. And so much like I would say the radio play of War of the Worlds, right? When H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds was a radio play, when that happened, people thought it was real because they didn't know. They like, they're just hearing about this. The aliens are taking over. Like, so people thought that this was real. This is like the first they'd heard about it. It feels truly like it feels so genuine in these tapes. Uh, and so that's like the first kind of factor as to why people believe that this is a truthful event. Another piece of that would be that Barney initially put no stock into Betty's theories that this was aliens, that they were abducted in any way, Um, but ultimately his sessions were very vivid to him and very traumatizing as well. And like I said, if you really want, you can try to find those tapes, um, but you can get a glimpse of those if you you look on YouTube and, and they're, it's a lot. Both of the Hills were very educated. They were normal people. Supposedly, they didn't seek any fame. Like I said earlier, there's there's no indication that having this story would give you fame because this was kind of unprecedented. A lot of people also lean on the fact that Betty's dreams years prior 
matched up almost exactly with the recovered memories from hypnosis. And so again, this does rely on the fact that you believe in hypnosis, but that's what a lot of people that trust the science of hypnosis that, you know, that's what they're kind of leaning on is that, listen, you're not you when you're hypnotized. That That's your true stream of consciousness. And the fact that that is saying the same as your dreams earlier, and then some, it, to, to a lot of people, that means you're telling the truth, that this is a real thing. True, but the flip side of that is, you know, she's had these dreams. This is something that she's been sitting with for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So at what point does it become a part of her subconscious, right? Because it's already a part of her reality. And it's, it's, it's simmered and marinated for so long. That's true. And hypnosis is just kind of digging that out. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. So here, let's let's again. You got telepathy or something? Because here's the next note. <laughs> Many people believe that these dreams weren't something that she conjured up. That they weren't part of her reality. Instead, that they were something that were planted in her mind. Because remember, they didn't have any memories. They couldn't at all remember what had happened. And it wasn't until days later, for five solid nights, that she had very vivid nightmares about what exactly happened. You know, minus some details until the hypnosis. And then they just suddenly stopped. And that's what made people think, okay, again, this is this is requiring you to really trust in hypnosis. But if she suddenly had these dreams after having no memory and then suddenly they stopped, a lot of people are like, those are planted. Whether they were planted by, you know, aliens or whatnot, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. But ultimately, they had no real reason to bring this story up to the public. This was like I said, the first widely publicized alien abduction. So it's strange. Like, where would this have come from? That's that's what that's. I'm just trying to think of the minds of the people reading this in 1965. They're like, yeah. Well, where else would this come from if not telling the truth? I I think what lends credibility to to the both of them, and this is something I was kind of like leaning towards earlier when we mm-hmm. first started discussing this. Is is right? Yeah. I mean, the more I listen the more i find out about this i'm like okay so they really weren't out for fame they kind of just kept to themselves were tormented by it and then Mm -hmm. really decided to go seek help and then that's how it blew up they weren't out here trying to you know go to the authorities to get like reports and stuff like that and they said take reports and go to the newspaper news stations all that kind of stuff they really were just like distraught by this tormented by it and were like i need to get we need to get help so that we can pass them through this um so that's yep. what makes it go like, yeah, I mean, why would they do that, right? If they weren't, if it was, what, just to, I don't know, torment themselves? I don't, right. I don't know. You don't expect fame when you go, You they went to an Air Force base and it took them some time. They had physical symptoms that were negatively affecting them, lifestyle changes, and they didn't really seek anything out like until they, they talked to authors that had written books on similar matters. And that was her personal theory. She's like, I'm going to chase down experts on something that I believed happened. Then the hypnosis didn't come until a friend of theirs was like, hey, maybe this will help. Like, you're right. There, there's no indication that they're like, I'm going to run to the TV stations and I'm going to get on TV. But but outside of like kind of theorizing as far as like trust and believing in hypnosis and all that, there's a couple other things, right? We have physical evidence. We have the ripped dress. We have scuffed shoes. We have that pink powder. And those are all physically there. Those all existed. And the pink powder had actually been tested multiple times by their niece, Kathleen Martin. And she said that, it kept coming back as proteins and oils that did not belong to Betty. And that's all we got out of that, which but is interesting. Niece, though, like, did it have to be tested by someone that they were related to? Like, right. 
Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know where they're at in the 60s, like how, how well they could test this or how well they could keep it. I, it's a different time for sure. The other physical stuff going on, right, like the, the needle going into the navel resembles the idea of amniocentesis, which is a thing that they can do during your pregnancy. It's a test where they can test for various things of a pregnancy that I don't need to get into. But that's a real thing that exists. However, it wasn't common practice until like the 70s. So this is another situation where we have somebody coming forward with a piece of a story that kind of makes sense, but before it should. So right. it makes you go, well, aliens would know how to do that ahead of us. So it really makes you kind of go like, uh, well, I guess maybe. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just like it's up in the air. It's like when we talked about Bob Lazar and the hand scanning thing, like he came out with some tech that the CIA right. was supposed to have and then that was declassified many years later and like it looked True. exactly as he described it. It's like, is that a lucky guess? Or does this guy know something? Does she, Betty here, know something? Another interesting thing that kind of falls in the line of this being a true event is her star map. Now, I'll kind of boil this down because it can get a little hairy, but somebody, Marjorie Fish, who was an elementary teacher, became very interested in that star map after reading a book on them in 1968. She then, you know, she was also an amateur astronomer and she decided to try to decipher it. She assumed that one of these stars must be the sun. And so she essentially made a 3D model of this and looked through the cosmos, uh, looked at star maps as we know them, and tried to line up her map to the star system. There's a lot of assumptions in play with this, right? You have to assume what the three-dimensional depths are you have to assume the placement because like she just drew a two-dimensional sketch of this 3d map but what's interesting is that when searching through the many star systems she found that she found a, there was a match with the zeta reticuli system and that that is where these aliens either came from or originated from or that that's the part of the map that she remembered but that's interesting you know, that she looked at all the stars around us that at the time were theorized could sustain life in some way, right? That they had planets that were habitable. And this is the one that it matched up with. And Betty was not interested in astronomy in any way, but somehow drawn this system from memory and for these purposes was accurate. Now, that kind of comes under fire. Carl Sagan, uh, you know, another amateur astronomer, uh, refuted that map. By coming, okay, he's not an amateur astronomer. I don't know if you know who Carl Sagan is. Uh, oh, but he's like an I astrophysicist. He's like an astrophysicist. He's like oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, oh. but like times ten in like a while ago. Whoa, yeah. So he actually later refuted that star map on his his original version of the television show Cosmos. Fantastic show, can't recommend it enough. But he claimed that the random dots had no meaning unless you looked at it with Marjorie Fish's lines that she drew onto it. Now, those, again, are made with assumptions of depth and placement. So, ultimately, he's saying, it's interesting, but there's there's no real meaning here, right? When you look up at the sky, there's so many stars. Like, it could be anywhere, anything. You can, you know, when you look at the Big Dipper, from our angle, it looks like a big spoon or whatever. But if you were in a totally different spot in space, it would look like gobbledygook, like nothing. And so that's what he's kind of getting at, is that this isn't really a piece of evidence. Like, mm -hmm. I'm kind of inclined to believe that, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting here, I mentioned Bob Lazar earlier. Well, we did a whole episode on him. I encourage you guys uh, listening now to check it out. But 
He also claimed in 1989 as a part of his story that aliens that had visited Earth came from Zeta Reticuli. Now, this could backward impact that episode to say maybe this guy was just well-informed on alien stories and was using it to build up his narrative. Or it could say, I don't know, maybe that proves that there's aliens at Zeta Reticuli and that there's some evidence here. And the last fact we have here, or the last piece of, I guess you could say, evidence that says, hey, this was a, a true fact, a true event that happened, um, was that their family fully believes them, right? You have their niece, Kathleen Marden, who was the one who actually became a UFOologist, uh, who studied that pink powder, who looked into the story. You have their granddaughter, who is a very public figure now. She's an MMA fighter, Angela Hill. Oh. She has publicly stated that she believes their story. She has no reason to not believe it. So, I mean, I think that does say something um, to have your family who is not, you know, immediately biased by you, but, you know, they would know you well and they would know if you're telling the truth or not. Yeah. It's interesting. Again, right? What are they going off of? They're going off of the fact that they probably believe, right? That if, you know, they're, they're believing it. They're, they're, every time they see them, they're not choosing their story. You know, mm -hmm. if they believe that they saw them and that's just going to stay with them. Yeah. And As you so, said, I believe that you believe. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're kind of feeling. But that's that's like the kind of all of the nooks and crannies that kind of go to substantiate the story. The next major theory outside of this just being real is that this was inspired by television. Now, this is where my little brain blast comes into play. But because of Betty's interest in aliens and UFOs, it is theorized that the memories that she had and that the couple recovered could have been inspired by television that they watched. By the time that the Hills did their first hypnosis session, it had been three years since what happened. And in that time, Betty read many books about the UFOs and many TV shows actually came out that featured aliens and featured UFOs and featured, you know, fantastic technology. And in an article written in 1990 by Martin Kottmeyer, he found that the Hill incident might actually have been inspired by a specific episode of a show called The Outer Limits, which was a sci-fi anthology series. In the episode, entitled The Bellarow Shield, the aliens are gray with those wraparound eyes, as uh, the husband here was describing them, and they're similar to how Barney described them, actually, in his hypnosis session. And uh, one of these aliens in the show says this quote in all the universes in all the unities beyond the universes all who have eyes have eyes that speak now this kind of leans really heavily into barney being kind of traumatized focused on the eyes of the alien the fact that they overcame him the fact that he felt they were speaking directly to him without mm -hmm. physically moving their mouth there's a lot there and so if you're trying to say hey I think you were inspired by television, whether intentionally or not. This episode does have the details of the aliens, how they look, the way they're speaking, and the way they talk about speaking with their eyes and stuff. It's interesting. And in fact, this episode did air, okay, 12 days before Barney's first session. Uh, so it's like, it's right up in there. Uh, <laughs> like a sim. Uh, uh, I mean, it... I, I mean, I'm the kind of person that believes, especially like if you're trying to dig up their subconscious and whatnot, mm -hmm. there's probably a handful of like little things, right? I'm thinking back to like, like the film Limitless, where Ooh. 
you see these little things and they don't really stick with you but they're like in your subconscious right yeah. little details of things that like you just took a glance at that book it's somewhere deep buried within your mind mm-hmm. right you're not really going to be able to just pull it out of you uh, without any assistance in the case of that movie it was uh it was that drug mm-hmm. uh pharmaceutical drug that um, that, that he took but for here I'm, th- I'm thinking you know I don't know like they're being hypnotized try and dig deep that's a catalyst that pulled stuff out maybe a little details that they saw here and there is kind of just what kind of kickstarted this thing piece things together where they're getting these details you know they might not remember it while they're conscious and be like oh I remember seeing that little piece of detail that I glanced mm-hmm. at for a second but in the back of their mind it's there absolutely I mean, this is a very common phenomenon, especially in like comedy. You might have heard this term cryptonesia, right? No. It's where you inadvertently, and this this is happens where, you know, people steal jokes and stuff, but it could happen here where you inadvertently lift from your memory something that happened that you heard, that you saw, and you retell it as if it's your first, as if it's your idea, as if it's the first time you've it's ever been spoken. And so that could be what's at play here. It's a very common phenomenon, like I said, in comedy, especially because Comics listen to each other a lot, and so they hear a lot. And so if he is now steeped in a world where his wife is reading all these books, watching all these shows, perhaps, I'm assuming here, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe that is dug down deep in there, like you're saying, and it's just being pulled out. Yeah, I mean, that's really what I'm leaning towards with this whole situation. You know, they believe mm-hmm. it, and and the, from there, there lots of digging. I mean, yeah. even if the husband wasn't reading that stuff, he was surrounded by it. Right. Or thinking about it in some way, you know, like, and and your mind might be cooking away, whether you're sleeping awake, might be kind of trying to fill the details in, making it up. You just, you just don't know. You try to think back to a time where you stub your toe as a kid. You only remember the pain and the ouch. You don't remember (laughs) anything else around that. But if you try to, you can kind of fill it in. Is that the reality? I don't know. But this is where my personal brain blast comes in. And I don't know. And I thought about it before we got into this, this theory or whatever, but like, You think about it, commonly, I mean, you have green Martians is one thing, but commonly aliens are gray. And I've always wondered, and especially when reading through this theory, it makes me think, are gray aliens a product of the 60s, right? Are they a product of this time period where television is black and white? Anytime you saw these fantastic creatures on television, they were gray because everything was in grayscale. You didn't have color television yet. And so what's in your mind this generation also dreams in black and white typically right so it kind of like are these ideas like you're saying just building off of that are these implanted in our minds through the creation of all this content and then kind of come out at like weird times right like during trauma or during something that we can't fully comprehend and and then maybe like this story was inspired by television and then other stories were inspired by this and the idea of that grayscale like kind of black and white alien is just pop culture now because of that it's very interesting to think about that gotta be right like you just people grabbing inspiration from from things that they see mm-hmm but anyway that's my personal little brain blast i'm a little proud of it <laughs> <laughs> But just on the note of the television, Betty claims that she had never heard of the show Outer Limits. This may be true because it's possible that that show didn't air where they lived because that's how television worked at the time. But another show, The Twilight Zone, very popular, featured an alien that resembled the aliens that the Hills saw. And that was in the episode called Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. And that aired in April 13th, 1962. 
Kottmeyer also noticed similarities between The Hill story and the 1953 movie Invaders from Mars, in which the character uh, is stuck with needles and the gray aliens wear black suits. So again, there's a lot of similarities here. So it's either the people that are making these shows happen to know somebody that knows an alien, or these people that happen to see the aliens are being inspired by the shows, or it's all coincidence and the shows just happen to nail it and get reality of these aliens like exactly right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but come on. The shows just nailed it. The yeah, maybe they nailed like, it. Yeah, you know, these are what aliens look like. This, <laughs> right. This, I mean, from from the eyes, the color, and the- yeah, it, it feels like it's TV originated. This this is kind of how it feels. But moving on, I know we got a, a little bit more here on the on the theories, like. Reality, as always, with these theories is probably somewhere in the middle. And that's kind of the third theory, if you want to call it that. Something in between, like, clearly something happened, but they're filling in the gaps with something they're more familiar with. Whether it's UFOs and these books or these shows, that their mind tried to fill in a traumatic experience with something equally strange and abnormal i mean maybe maybe it was a government job you know the government was trying something out testing something out on and they just happened to pass by and be victims to it yeah i mean there's a lot of detail here that i have and so but i'm I'm just gonna kind of fire from the hip you know we keep talking about how they were clearly shaken up and that their memories were blocked and there's a lot of people trying to explain how that could be you know intentional some sort of drugging from whether it's a government entity an alien entity or whatever but simon theorized the, the hypnotists, that they had been dealing with the stress of, as a result of being an interracial couple during this time period, and that this stress bubbled up in a way that they couldn't have possibly anticipated. It is also theorized on top of that, that perhaps when they were out and about on the way back home, that they experienced some sort of hate crime. I know that this is kind of out of left field, but is it though really, like in the 60s, for something like this to happen? like? I don't know exactly what that situation looks like. You know, obviously this is just a theory and I'm not going to try to paint a vivid image where there isn't one, but mm-hmm. you know, pe- that that's a real thing that could possibly happen. And if it's traumatic enough, you know, and, and, and these True. people went through something like this, they could have blacked it out. They could have blocked it from their own memory and they could have remembered it entirely differently. You know, what, what he does remember, regardless of the hypnosis or the dreams, was that he was essentially forced or for some reason encouraged to steer off the road quickly and that he saw six men and that that was it. That is what they both truly remember before the hypnosis, before the dreams, before time to like come around stories and anything could have forced him off the road. Another car, a person in the road, anything. And uh, and if there was other people waiting for them, like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't mean to go down a dark path, but it's right. entirely possible that you know something truly nefarious actually went down and that these these poor individuals you know blocked it out of their own memory 1000% yeah and and that's how they you know chose to picture their demons yeah right, as as these aliens but um to to take a quick step away from i know that's a bit dark but some also theorize a little bit on the uh, lighter side, that this was a simple case of perhaps highway hypnosis right that's been talked about on reddit the Reddit name is I am a drunk armadillo. So you know this person is a scientist. Highway hypnosis is real when you're driving at night, especially if you're tired. You know, 
It's the same hum of the road. You're watching the, the lines go by and, and you can kind of blank out. I'm sure you've all done it, you know, and you know, it's, it's hard to say what happened to those two hours, but it is a real event, a, a real occurrence that could impact uh, what happened that night. And the last piece of people trying to fill in the gaps is that this was, and this was proposed by author Philip Copens, that this was some sort of MK Ultra type experiment, that these two were specifically targeted to do some sort of psychological test uh, by the government, by the CIA, or, or something. And whether these ideas were planted in them, it, it's, it's just interesting because when they went out to seek help, right? For, for example, you have Major Kehoe, the UFO book author, who, who received copious mail at that time, right? responded pretty quickly when these folks came forward. And I don't know if this guy's going through all of his mail, if he happened to see it and respond, but for him to respond so quickly and actually show up, right, for these two, and Turn ignoring all the other stories or all the other yeah. fan mails, like, it's a little fishy, if you want to believe it, right? It yeah. feels a little planned. But that's what the theory is trying to say, that this was all a ruse of some sort. Uh, yeah, I don't know if, it, if, if I think it's something as nefarious as, like, this was planned and i don't know i feel like there's just that whole key thing for me where they didn't chase any of the stuff down mm -hmm. but who i mean who knows maybe maybe this like former military person was just like hey uh, you know we could we could make something here right we, i mean you, know, you go to the government today and you say something about ufo they're going to take it seriously uh i mean maybe not to you directly but someone's going to take note someone's going to pay attention and uh because that's their job that's what they got to do the last piece of evidence here that kind of goes to play into the muddy reality happening here, right? Is that the signal tower on Cannon Mountain has a very bright light. And that was a focal point of their story that they say it flew just over Cannon Mountain and that's where it really approached them. You know, whatever happened that night, whatever, whatever they forgot or experienced clearly shook them up. And there are some pieces of reality that played into however they recalled that night, right? Whether it was a story that was put together by the things around them or, or that they were actually abducted by aliens, something happened on the road that night in the mountains. And I don't think we'll ever, ever truly know what exactly they experienced. Oh, man. It's spooky, Just... man. It's spooky. Just like, to, uh, from every level. I mean, when you really think know. of it as the first, when it's like the first story of this kind, you listen to some of those tapes, you, you think about this last theory, you know, it's just, there's too many things that, you know, tingle the spine on this one. But yeah. Before we started this podcast, if someone, you know, people talk about, oh, like, what would you do if you had a time machine? I'd be like, oh, maybe go check out this, maybe go check out that. And I was never, I was never like, ah, you know, I need one of those things. Now, because of this podcast, it's like, give me a time machine, please. I need to, I need to answer all these things from myself. There is an amazing know. story there that you are the cause of all of these things. Like Loki. Oh, oh. like by time traveling back, you became oh DB Cooper. God. By time oh traveling my, back, yeah. you became the, the abduction craft. And you were the last person in the window looking out the time machine going like, oh, oh that's I so guess that was eerie. Us. That's so <laughs> eerie. They'd be like, oh my oh. god, I was the last person. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> Man, we're just coming up with all sorts of bangers tonight. All right. Well, that that's like, the, that's the OG. That is the original UFO abduction story. The one that set the tone for the rest of them. Obviously, there's a, a, probably a trickle of them 
in in history before this one, but this is the one that really brought it to the national level, to the attention of everybody at home, and uh, and really set the tone for stories or encounters going forward. Uh, but with that said, if you guys want to uh, leave us a review on Apple, if you want to hit us up with any mysteries that you're aware of that you want us to check out, you can tweet us. You can go to roosterteeth.com where we also upload this podcast. There's a comment section there. There's a lot of ways to get, you know, get in touch with us. But thank you all so much for listening. And Fredo, I'll see you next week for another mystery. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.